This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Thanks for spending some time with us here this morning as uh, we take a look at what happened in the NFL last night. And there was some baseball news. Red Sox had the night off, but the Yankees uh, were in action. And we've got Dan Zampano coming up at 9.30 this morning to uh, take a look at what uh, is going on in the rest of of the NFL this week. Give us his uh, fearless predictions, as he always does. We look forward to uh, having Dan on every Friday uh, during the NFL season. So uh, appearance number one for week number one coming up. That will be at 9.30 this morning. Uh, But, of course, we have to start uh, with non-sports news. We have to start with the uh, speech yesterday by President Biden talking about uh, his new mandates for the coronavirus vaccine that any uh, company that employs a hundred or more people is going to have to require their employees get vaccinated. This is, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, his comment yesterday is that we're fed up. You know, we've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin and your refusals cost all of us because there is no mistake, folks, that this latest surge that we have is a surge of the unvaccinated and they are uh, the people that are in the, the hospitals now are all people that have been unvaccinated this entire time that have refused to do it. They've been walking around, uh, you know, and, and uh, spreading it to people that have gotten vaccinated. Now, again, you know, one of the things that president Biden pointed out yesterday, and this is what I, I keep, I keep trying to get people. I know people that aren't vaccinated and I get it, try to get them to understand. Hey, look, um, they said yesterday that that uh, people aren't dying if you are vaccinated from COVID. It's very rare. One in 5,000 people that's vaccinated has passed away from it. You know, so, you're, you know, you'll get a little sick, but you're going to be fine. You know, and, and all these people, you know, you got these all these radio hosts lately. I, this is this kills me. A lot of these whack job radio hosts, right wingers, no, anti-vaccine. I'm never getting it. It's a joke, yada, yada, yada. And they've died. And, you know, and, and almost to a man as they've died, they said, I really wish I'd paid more attention. Well, no kidding. So I, I don't know how this is going to go down. I mean, is, there's going to be legal challenges in states all across the country. There's no doubt about that. Um, the lower courts are going to weigh in. This is eventually going to end up in the Supreme Court. You know, do, does President Biden have the power to do what he's doing? A lot of people think that if he does it through OSHA, um, then, then he does. I look at it this way. My wife works for uh, Home Depot. It's a huge company. And, you know, she questioned whether they can legally do this or not. And what I said was, is, look, if the company goes along with it, 
and says to their employees, you have to be vaccinated. I think it is legal, and here's why. Uh, it, to, to me, it's no different than a, uh, a dress code. You know, if you, are, if you work for a company and you can't wear jeans or you can't wear sneakers or you have to wear business casual or you have to wear a jacket and tie, whatever it is, that's part of the conditions of employment. And if you don't want to dress like, you know, that, you don't want to follow the dress code, well, no hard feelings, but you can't work here. You'll go somewhere else. That's legal. So if as a company we make the decision that if you want to work for us, you have to be vaccinated, to me, it's the same thing. Right? You know, you don't want to get vaccinated? Okay, that's fine. No hard feelings. But there's the door and, you know, best of luck and I hope you find another job where you don't have to worry about that. Uh, you know, the, the issue is going to be if big companies balk at this. If Home Depot were to balk and say, no, we're not going to require that. If Walmart balks and says, no, we're not going to require that, what happens? That's where it gets ugly. You know, and, and I was reading a, a column this morning. And it said, you know, if this had been, if this had all happened in, say, the 1980s, everybody would have just gotten the vaccine. You know, they would have, they would have been a little grumbling at first. But you know what? Everybody would have gone along and they would have gotten the vaccine. But starting in the mid-90s and late 90s when social media became a thing and, uh, you know, the, it, the Internet just exploded and everybody's got an opinion and everybody can spout off, it was the beginning of the end as far as civil obedience goes. Now it's more about civil disobedience. People are more likely to tell the government to go screw themselves than they are to do what the government asks you to do. 30 years ago, 35 years ago, people would have just gotten on board. Now everything is an argument. Everything is a fight. It, you could tell them the grass is green, and you're going to have people on the Internet saying, no, it's fuchsia. I'm telling you, it's just the way it is. The sky's not blue. No, it's not. It's not blue. That, what are you, nuts? sky's green. You know, I'm serious. This is, this is where we are in this country or in this world in general. So, you know, and I think some of it um, is also people don't want to be told what to do. And they are going to instantly tell you to go screw yourself if you want to tell them what to do. Look, I'm one of those people that doesn't like to be told what to do. I have my own mind and I want to make my own decisions. But I also made a decision to do what I felt was the right thing and get vaccinated. And, and I had, you know, I had a, com a conversation last night with... Uh, with Barb and I said, you know, at what point do people say it's not necessarily about freedom of choice? You know, because I've I've heard things where people have said, well, this is no different than an abortion. You know, if if I have freedom of choice as to whether or not to carry a child, why do I not have freedom of choice to get a vaccine? And it's a fair, it's a fair comment. It's a fair comment. However, you know, my my response is, is at what point does it no longer become a situation of freedom of choice where it becomes doing something for the common good? If I do this, I protect other people. 
This isn't just about me not dying from COVID. This is about me being part of the solution and part of the herd immunity. And, you know, at what point do you do that? You know, and to me, you know, um, this is one of those cases. My first reaction when the vaccine came out was, I'm not sure I want to get it. But the more research I did and I saw that was, you know, the mRNA and it wasn't, you know, they weren't putting the weakened virus in your system and yada, yada, yada. I said, you know what? The science made sense to me. And what made more sense was the idea that if we get to that 80 percent, 85 percent, that we can get on top of this thing and it will end a lot quicker. But people refuse to do that. They still and still, there are still people that want to say that it's, you know, fake science and, and it's, it's, you know, not the right thing to do. And, you know, it's my body. Well, it may cost some people their jobs. You know, now the other option that people are going to have, if you, um, if you do not get vaccinated in a private company, if this thing for the government stands, then you would have to test out. You would have to present a negative test every week. And that means that's going to be an expense. That's probably going to cost people a couple hundred dollars a month to get tested every week. But if that's, you know, what they feel they need to do, then that's what they're going to do. My question then becomes, let's say you refuse to get vaccinated. And then you test positive. In the past, if you tested positive for COVID-19, your company would pay you while you are out on COVID leave. Will they pay you if you've refused to get vaccinated and get it anyway? That's my question. Again, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of challenges to this. Uh, and, and he said he's mandatory, it's mandatory for federal employees. I think he has more. He probably has more uh, of a leg to stand on as far as that goes because he's the head of the federal government. So uh, I think it's more likely that that will stand. But And, and there's no test-out option for people in the executive branch and contractors who do business with the federal government. You get vaccinated or you don't work here or you don't do business with us. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So that's where we're at. Uh, you know, I, I think it's time. You know, this vaccine is safe, folks. It's safe. If you haven't gotten a shot, if you're one of the 80 or 90 million people across this country that hasn't gotten it, please, for God's sake, get it. So anyway, that's that is our uh, our uh, uh, sermon for the morning. And uh, again, I think it's high time. And also, you know, the other thing that was as much as people don't like what Joe Biden had to say yesterday. It was also really nice to hear. A president yesterday sound presidential sound like, you know, uh, he was uh, in control instead of unhinged, as our previous president did. So uh, along those lines and getting into sports, how about this? How about Hunter Renfro? (laughs) Caused a bit of a fury yesterday. The Red Sox right fielder who leads the league and assists and has been unbelievable the last uh, few weeks for this team and has single-handedly kind of bailed him out, gotten him back into the playoff picture. Uh, Stated yesterday that uh, Major League Baseball told the Red Sox to stop COVID testing during the huge outbreak they had. Now, they eventually ended up, I think, with 12 or 13 people on the COVID list. And he claims 
that MLB said, no, don't test anymore. Just uh, take care of the people uh, that are uh, symptomatic. And, of course, uh, Major League Baseball immediately you know, fired back saying uh, he's wrong. We didn't say that. The Red Sox issued a statement saying that, uh, that they followed COVID-19 protocols all season long. Uh, you know, consulted closely with everything we've done, yada, yada, continue to test, yada, yada, yada. All right, here's the thing. You're not going to tell me that Hunter Renfro pulled this out of the air. There has to be some basis in fact here. I would be shocked if this wasn't the case or if something, or if maybe they didn't come right out and say stop testing, but maybe they alluded to something. I, I just can't believe that... <laughs> that uh, that Hunter Renfro just made this up. Why would he do that? You know, it makes no sense to me. So uh, we'll see. I'm sure that the Red Sox called him in the office and said, hey, dude, you know, we got to keep this in-house. And he was on a radio show. He was on WEEI when he let it out. And, you know, I'm sure he didn't go on the show intending to let it out, you know, but the hit is what it is. I mean, and that's, it's one of the dangers you have if you are, uh, you know, a professional team and you're, or even a college team and, you know, your players are going to be doing interviews. Stuff is going to come out and things are going to be said that you're going to go, oh, man, I wish he hadn't said that. And I guarantee you this is one of them. But it, uh, Major League Baseball fired back very, very quickly because if that, even if it's, you know, somewhat the case, even if they alluded to it, it's, it's not, not a good look. Not a good look at all. Um, now, the Red Sox were off last night, so they were, you know, that's the other part of it. You know, he had nothing better to do since they had an off day and they're playing the Chicago White Sox starting tonight. And so that's how you get yourself in trouble. Uh, so the Red Sox were off, but the Yankees were not. The Yankees played last night. And the Yankees lost again to the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays beat them 6-4. to four. They sweep the Yankees in the Bronx for the first time since 2003. Toronto has now won eight in a row. They are a half a game back of the Yankees for that second wild card. The Red Sox still hold the number one wild card slot, but the Yankees have lost six straight. That's after, By the way, that's after not long ago having won 13 in a row. Now they've lost six in a row. And combine that with the eight in a row by Toronto, and they are a half a game back of the Yankees and... Toronto gets to play the Baltimore Orioles this weekend. Yikes. Uh, while the Yankees have a subway series against the New York Mets, which, by the way, uh, you know, it's um, it's cool, and but at the same time, it's going to be a very poignant weekend uh, for those two teams because it is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks that happened in New York City and to have the two teams playing against each other on that anniversary is going to be very, very uh, uh, powerful. Uh, so the Yankees are going to have to hope that they can, you know, finish burying the Mets, uh, who lost again last night. The Mets uh, uh, had a lead, had a 2 nothing lead going into the seventh inning, and then single runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and the bullpen coughs it up, and the Mets lose. So uh, things tightening up there, but that's going to be a huge series, but it's going to be emotional as well. No question about it. And, you know, I mentioned the, uh, what, what the Blue Jays have done. Not only was it as impressive the fact that they swept the Yankees, 
This is the first time, and you know, just when again, it's one of those things when you think you've seen it all in baseball, you always find out something new. This is the first time that a team had swept the Yankees in four games in New York without ever trailing in one of the games. So four straight wins for Toronto. Not once in those four games did they trail. That hadn't happened to a Yankee team since 1908. And by the way, back in 1908 when that happened, they weren't even known as the Yankees. They were called the New York Highlanders back then. So uh, that has been a long, long time ago. So uh, anyway, uh, big series for the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. And by the way, and they send Robbie Ray, who's been their best pitcher and leads the American League in ERA at 2.60 over 166 innings. He gets to start in the game tonight against Baltimore. So uh, advantage Toronto. And uh, although, you know, again, the Yankees gave, I mean, the uh, the Orioles gave the Yankees all they could handle. You know, the the, uh, the Orioles have been a little bit pesky, even though they stink. You know, they haven't exactly uh, uh, rolled over and died, and they're playing a little bit better lately. They're playing 500 baseball over the last uh, 12 games, you know, which is a marked improvement for a team that's 45-94. and 94. Um, Other Yankee news, uh, Zach Britton had Tommy John surgery yesterday. Uh, and at the same time, they found that there was a little bit more damage in there than they thought. He also had a bone chip in the elbow, so they removed that as well. He is going to miss all of next season, and you will not see Zach Britton back on the mound probably until 2023. Uh, and at the same time, Jamison Tyon got added to the 10-day injured list. He has a partial tear of the tendon in his right ankle. Now, the Yankees think there's a chance he only misses one start. Um, I think it's likely he misses more than one start. And with, what, 22 games left to go for the Yankees, that is a big piece of a rotation that has already taken a lot of hits this year. So that is a huge loss uh, for the Yankees. The good news for the Yankees, Garrett Cole will be back early next week. He left his start on Tuesday with left hamstring tightness. He will miss his start that he would have made this weekend, but they expect him back after missing just one start, and he will be back in the rotation uh, for the Yankees next week. I mentioned uh, the other games around Major League Baseball yesterday. I mentioned the Mets game already. They lose to the Marlins three games to two, and that was despite getting a great start by Marcus Stroman, who pitched into the seventh inning, six and a third innings, just one run and four hits. Uh, but Brad Hand, who they recently picked up on waivers, uh, gave up a run in the seventh, and then Jaris Familia uh, gives up a run in the eighth inning. He ends up taking the loss as uh, Miami comes back to beat the Mets. So the Mets are back under 500. They are now 70 and 71. That puts them five games behind the Atlanta Braves. It also puts also puts them five games behind the second wild card. So the Mets with 21 games left have almost no margin for error, which makes that big series against the Yankees this weekend uh, even more important. Um, the Phillies lost as well again yesterday, so the Phillies remained three and a half back um, of the uh, Atlanta Braves. The Phillies had a lead in this one, but uh, Colorado comes up with three runs in the top of the ninth off of the bullpen. Uh, it was Ian Kennedy who they got in a trade uh at the trade deadline, coughs up four hits and three runs in two-thirds of an inning. 
Uh, so uh, the Phillies snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Bryce Harper, though, another big game, couple of hits, including his 30th home run of the season, has the batting average up to 305. Uh, Bryce Harper is a guy that is in the conversation for most valuable player, you know, in the National League. And, I mean, for a Phillies team that has kind of been a little underwhelming, I guess, they are two games over 500. But uh, Bryce Harper is very quietly having a monster season. 305 average and an OPS of 1019. Uh, and say what you want, you know, and the thing with Bryce Harper is, you know, he's a great player, but he's really hard to root for, for me. You know, uh, he, he's a, He's a little bit, uh, a little bit annoying, a little bit arrogant for me, and and uh, and a little bit, a lot inconsistent. Although this year he has been very consistent and might have a chance to win the Most Valuable Player this year. The Braves uh, beat the Washington Nationals yesterday, seven to six. Um, they had a lead; they could have won it in regulation, but an error by Ozzie Albies uh, screwed that up. But they end up winning it uh, in the tenth inning and uh, win this one, and they, now they are 74-65, and 65, maintain their lead in the NL East. Uh, the Dodgers lose. The Cardinals beat them 2-1, to one, so the Cardinals split that four-game series with the Dodgers, uh, which is, uh, was quite an accomplishment, quite frankly. And uh, uh, the Dodgers are now three-and-a-half games. Three-and-a-half? No, two-and-a-half games behind the San Francisco Giants, who have 90 wins this season. So the, the Dodgers are in great shape. Worst-case scenario, they're the number one wild card, but still some time left, but they've lost two in a row while the San Francisco Giants have won four in a row, and that's uh, where we sit in Major League Baseball. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us. We'll talk about that game last night between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a little bit about the Patriots, and then we'll get his Fearless predictions for week number one in the NFL. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday. Tuesday? Tuesday? Jesus. Friday morning. <laughs> wow. And, and, and Dan Zampano was with us. Dan's the one that was up really late last night. and Well, I was too, actually. We watched the, watched the end of that game last night. Um, good morning, Mr. Zimpano. How are you? Gene, don't tell me that the dementia is kicking in already. Uh, like, yeah, come on. It's I, week one. I, I it's know. week one. I know. Well, you know, and come it, on. it was funny too. It was, it was week one, but it was like the same old song. Was there any doubt <laughs> in your mind last night when Tom Brady got that ball back with what? one twenty-six to play that there was any chance he didn't lead them to victory? I mean, the look on the guy's face, uh, he could have probably shot lasers beams through somebody's heart. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, the guy, the guy, I mean, I just told you, water is wet, the sky is blue. Tom Brady leads a comeback in the first week of the season. They have an amazing game. The NFL just knows what they're doing. The product is alive and well for those who think that football is dying. I mean, it is unbelievable. Uh just, it looked like, and I said this last night, it looked like Brady, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, all these players, it just looked like they went back in time five years and just looked perfect. I mean, there was no stopping any of those guys last night, and, and especially at the end of the game where you're looking at Tom Brady with a minute 24 to go. I mean, it was 
it was a holly, it was it was a perfectly scripted way for the NFL to get its first game going. It was great. Well, you know, and it wasn't perfect as far as Tampa goes. The game was a lot closer than people thought, but Tampa helped them out. Four, four turnovers last night. Now, one of them, I mean, the interception by Brady in the, at the end of the first half, it was kind of a desperation heave. I'm, You know, that one doesn't bother me as much, but they gave Dallas some opportunities last night. They had a couple of times where it, they had the foot on the neck and it looked like they were close to being able to put them away, and then they'd cough up the football. So that, if you're Tampa... I mean, it's week one, so you don't get too carried away about it, but that's one thing they are going to have to clean up. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, if, if, let's let's take a look at it. I mean, you have a Hail Mary interception. Right. You have an interception off the hands of a running back on a screen play that's tipped and intercepted. So I'm sure Brady was just loving that. <laughs> I mean, he had, to, he, had to be, he had to be apoplectic on the sideline. Uh, and then, you know, you cannot turn the ball over in your own end twice and then turn the ball over at the goal line. You right. cannot do that. Right. I mean, and let's let's be frank about it. I mean, if they don't do those things, I think they roll Dallas. Yep. I mean, they absolutely roll because guess what? There, there. This was an offensive show. I mean, it was a offensive show shootout because you looked at it. How many pass attempts did Tom Brady have last night? Close to four fifty. Yeah, fifty. I he mean, was 30 maybe to, above fifty. Thirty-two of fifty. Fifty fifty pass attempts last night. Yep. I mean, Kellen Moore re- flat out refused to run the ball for Dallas. I mean, they had they were talking about last night. Oh, Dak shoulder and all this jazz, and yeah. he's on a pitch count and all these different things, and he throws like fifty six passes. I mean, it was like unbelievable. This is like a Big Twelve shootout this game, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, was, and I was thrilled seriously. too. But I was thrilled too because I have I have Zeke Elliott on my fantasy team, so I was really thrilled that they didn't give him the ball much last night. <laughs> I, I, I was screaming at my television, "Give him the ball!" Um, you know, but if you're a Dallas fan, you know, I, I'm sure you're encouraged, but as you said, this could have been a blowout. It wasn't, but if you're a Dallas fan, if nothing else, you've taken a sigh of relief seeing that your franchise quarterback did not seem to have missed a beat after that horrific injury last year to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, you got to be thrilled if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. The Cowboys were never like they were not picked to win this game. They almost won it. So you have to be happy about that. But of course you have to be happy that Dak looks uh relatively healthy. Yeah. Uh, he scrambled when he needed when he needed to. Uh you don't really need him running around a ton. I think they tried to run him once in the red zone and he had like a three yard run where he slid down. So yeah. I mean, you know, he's easing back into it, but if easing back into it is thrown for 400 yards, then <laughs> you might have some records broken this year. Well, again, you know, the thing with uh, Dallas is, and, and you and I talked about this uh, uh, last week, you know, th- their offense is going to score some points. The question is, is are they going to be able to stop anybody? You know, I mean, in that, I, that, I don't think that question was answered last night. Uh, if it was, the answer is no. no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is what Dallas is. Dallas is all gas, no breaks. I mean, you go, go, go. You've got your three receivers. You've got a couple of good tight ends. You've got a running back that's really solid and a good offensive line. And that's it because the defense doesn't exist. So, right. I mean, even the kicking game last night was very shaky, you yes. know, for Dallas. So, yep. with Greg Zerline. So, you know, this is week one. I think things will improve on the defensive side of the ball, but. 
Brady knew Dan Quinn's defense. It's a classic cover three. They ran a lot of cover two last night as well. And I, I, this is Tom Brady picking out a blitz. And right now, he's the one that looks really scary. I don't think it has really anything to do with Dallas's defense at this point, although it's not that great. I think it's just Tom Brady understanding that defense over the years. Um, last thing about this game before we move on. The uh, the other thing that people are talking about this morning, and it is a legit point, it, it did appear that the Buccaneers got away with an offensive pass interference uh, call in the uh, in that final drive. I mean, it clearly appeared to be offensive pass interference. The call wasn't made, and that led to the uh, to the game winning field goal. But you know, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. That, you know, it, it it was blatant because of when it was, but those kind of calls are missed all the time in NFL games. It's Brady comeback with a controversial no call. I mean, this is the this is the script. This right, is how yeah. it goes. Yeah. I mean, you, you should not complain. You knew how it was going to happen. I mean, Chris Godwin. You could call it OPI. You could say it was hand fighting. The guy tripped. Up. I mean, it's it's what it is. It's what it is. I'm not. You you had every opportunity, Dallas, to win that game. Every opportunity in the book. Uh, and you couldn't execute at the end of the game. You had a holding penalty, a couple of bad penalties. Yep. By Dallas, really cost of this game. Yeah, on their on their final no. drive, on their final drive, they had to overcome two big holding calls. I mean, who knows if they yeah. don't, if they and there was one that wiped out a really long pass play. If they don't do that, maybe they score a touchdown there, and it's a completely different conversation at the end of the game for Tom Brady. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're not blaming a possible OPI. On the Bucks, on the Bucks winning this game, I, I'm I'm certainly not. Why, why is it? Why is it? Do you think that his entire career with Tom Brady that they people have wanted to find reasons to say ah wasn't really that great? You know, it's kind of like last night, another big comeback winner saying yeah, but if it wasn't for this, you know, in New England, well, well, if it wasn't for this or if it wasn't for the system, he wouldn't be anywhere near as good as he is. Why? Why do you think that is a guy that has done as much as he had that people just want to continue to find reasons to tear him down? Um, because he's not a overall great athlete in terms of like athleticism. Okay, the yeah, quarterback. That's, that's I mean, fair. You that's saw fair. you. You saw last night. I think he he absolutely geeked out in the pocket and tried to throw past the Leonard Fournette that he never should have and completed it. And he right. fell on himself. You know, it's <laughs> plays like that that people freak out. But it's also the guy wins every year. The guy's been in half the Super Bowls in the last two decades. Right. I mean, eventually that starts to wear on people. So yeah. you know, the haters gonna hate. Right. That's all I can say. So let's move to the Patriots a little bit, and uh, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but uh, there was a conversation, an interview with Cam Newton about, uh, you know, there's been a lot of comments made about how Mac Jones was trying to teach Cam Newton the offense, the rookie trying to teach Cam Newton. And Cam Newton made some comments. He said, you know, they expect me to know who the mic is. He said, I guarantee you that most teams in the NFL don't do that. You know, I, I don't know why they expect me to learn that. The center's <laughs> supposed to call. Wait a minute. You learned that in high school. <laughs> I mean, you know, you look uh, at it and you go, and, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things. You look at it, this is one more reason why the Patriots made the absolute right decision. What a dope. And, you know, just shut up because you sound like a dope. That is, um, yeah, that is a definite <laughs> reason to get rid of them. <laughs> I, I mean, mean I, I, listen, I, 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 I can – 
I can tell you this. Most teams in the NFL do not do what the Patriots do. Right. Most teams in the NFL allow the offensive line and the center to call out for tech. Uh, but guess what? The Patriots don't do that. Yeah, so but, but at the end of the day, this is the Patriot way. Right. Like the Patriots ask your quarterback to call up protections, and if you can't do it, then that's a problem. And if you're going to sound off now, I mean, it makes the guy so. I mean, if he wasn't unlikable in the first place, he's right. so unlikable now. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, to be honest, I, I have put Cam Newton out of my mind, rear view mirror, don't let the door hit you on the way out. That's yeah. basically the way I've, I've looked <laughs> at this. We are on the Mac Jones. I cannot even believe that Cam Newton would even open his mouth and, and, and say something like that. And, and remember, he, he was all in on Bill Belichick six months oh, ago. Yeah. Oh, loved him. He's, oh, yeah, Bill. Yeah. He's saying in the I Am, I am Athlete podcast, yeah. oh, Bill's a cool dude. Bill's a cool dude. <laughs> and as soon as he gets out, I mean, it, it, it's like it's like clockwork with him. Well, you well, know? It, it really is. Well, Cam says he's got a big announcement coming today. Did you know that? He says there's a big announcement coming today. He said, I've been telling you, you know, I'm not one of the – I'm better than, you know, a lot of these other guys starting in the NFL. i got a big announcement coming on Friday. I, I, well, maybe he got a new hat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. So, anyway, all right. So, we as we put him in the rearview mirror, uh, yesterday at Patriots practice, maybe a little bit concerning, Nelson Aguilar did not practice. He's got an ankle issue, and his status for this weekend is up in the air. Look, and, and I know you're not a big and kill Harry fan, nor am I, but if you look at that, now all of a sudden – the Patriots would go into this game against Miami without a true deep threat. If Aguilar doesn't play and, and Harry already can't play, they no longer have a big deep threat in that game. Is that a concern? Um, look, the Patriots really have never dealt with having a quote-unquote deep threat. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it? But <laughs> in isn't all it, the years that we've had. Well, I, no, mean, I, get that, I get that, Dan, but at the same time, don't you want to have it, it, at least make the other team think that you might? Um, I mean, sure, but I think that Brian Flores is a guy that understands that defense or understands that offense. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a major concern. Again, and we're also talking, I, I'm not sure Nelson Aguilar will miss the game. My concern more is that Nelson Aguilar is going to be one of these guys that's going to be on the, on the injury report every week. Every week. Um, yeah. uh, and, and that's, that's kind of, I mean, he has had that history in the past. Right. Um, also has had a history of drops in the past. So right. we still have to see what Nelson Aguilar is. Um, really hasn't done anything in the preseason. To me, look, this team is predicated on they're going to have those two tight ends. They're going to run the football. Right, right. And they're going to tell the quarterback, don't make any stupid mistakes. Take your reads. Do what you got to do. And we'll get out of here with a win. And, and that's going to be the whole, deep, the whole offense. So Nelson Aguilar being out, again, I, I think if this was Jacoby Myers, if this was maybe Kendrick Bourne, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But we really just haven't seen anything out of Nelson Aguilar. And, you know, with the Patriots packages that they run, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how many snaps Nelson Aguilar will play anyway. Okay, but you know, I think I do think it's something to watch as the season goes along. Uh, the big news yesterday out of Pittsburgh is that T.J. Watt signed a massive extension to stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Four years, $112 bucks. Um, 
you know, but this is a guy, you know, and they're already saying, well, I mean, he can play this weekend. and But he didn't play in one preseason game, and he's just been working on, like, individual skills. I mean, do you think a guy can literally take the entire fall off or the entire summer off and be ready to go week one? I mean, there's a big difference between, you know, getting in shape and taking a hit. Um, And by the way, T.J. Watt is the one that signed that contract. Nobody else, because apparently he walked into the owner's box and right. overrode his agent. Yeah, how about and that? Well, freaked that's... out and said, good. "Hey, uh, I'm I'm taking the money. The money's good enough. I got to go work out. Thanks. We got a game on Sunday. We need more. Bl- that's the guy I want on my team. We, that's the yeah, guy I. Want. We need more players like that. We need to in in not just in football, in every sport. We need to stop. You know, yep. there are players that let their their agents just turn the whole thing into a circus where I, I love situations where guys and just say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just shut up. I'm taking the money. I, I, I'm not even a Steeler fan, but I love TJ Watt now. And the guys, the guys, they got a contract on the table that's making them the highest paid player on defense in the league. Right. Like, right. what are we talking about? Right. I mean, what are we talking about? What are you, what, what were his agents trying to get him, uh, you know, an extra, you know, jacuzzi in the locker room? Like, what were they trying to get him? I mean, like, seriously. Lord knows. So, it, it, that was, that was unbelievable. But no, I, look, TJ Watts, one of these guys, you get him off the couch, he's ready to go. Yeah. I mean, he's ready to go. I have no, I have no doubt in my mind. And he's going to be fired up in Buffalo on Sunday. Uh, if I'm if I'm a Steeler fan, I'm thrilled, but I'm also more worried about what the offense is going to do than I am, you know, that defense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, uh, again, it, what they're going to be able to get out of the human uh, statue, Ben Roethlisberger, is you know, remains to be seen. <laughs> and this is a guy that you know, as big as he is, uh, he takes a lot of hits, and and you know, he's another one of those guys that's going to be on the injured list every week. You know what I was thinking about last night? I was thinking about this, and I had a conversation with my partner on the Sunday card, Matt. And we talked about this. We said, you know, I think it's going to be this, that the older players, because we're talking about how good Brady was last night, and I think it's going to be this. I think the older quarterbacks are going to be really, really good. Really? In the, in the, in the first few weeks of the season. Okay. Weeks one through four, five, six. And then once the season progresses down, I think you're going to really start to see a sharp decline. And I'm not saying Brady's going to decline, but I'm saying guys like maybe Roethlisberger are guys that, you know, might get broken down a little yeah. bit. Will be wear and tear. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely true. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he's still starting in Washington, you know, that's a like, you know, I, I think, I think that, yeah, exactly. I, and I think that's the same for Ben in, in Pittsburgh. It's just, you know, how long can he sustain it? You got a new offensive coordinator, new offensive line. I, I, apparently, they'll be able to run the football with Najee Harris. We will see. Uh, that'll be a big boost for them if they can do that. That's that's the whole kit and caboodle of if they're going to be successful on offenses. Not if they can pass it, but if they can finally establish a run game. I mean, that would be huge for Pittsburgh. All right, let's get to our picks for this week. You're already one and zero because you took uh, Tampa Bay over Dallas, and we don't ta- we don't do the point spread here. We're just gonna you know you're just gonna give me the no, up. we do not. That's that's a, that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's what the here's the one we're gonna start with because I am going to make you pick a Cleveland Browns game every week since you have them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, week one is a matchup that you have see in the uh, the AFC playoffs. It's the Cleveland Browns. 
at the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs are a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. How much do you love this Cleveland team in week one? Oh, I just love them so much. <laughs> no, you I, I think that they are a fantastic, fantastic matchup for this week. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Arrowhead, right? Yeah. Um, here's the stat I'll give you. Andy Reid, in his career, uh, as in the last 16 seasons, is 16-0 and 0 in week one. Week one. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right, so I'll take the Chiefs. I, I'm, I'm circling the Chiefs. All right, got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all you need to know. That's all I need to know. All right. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one, I think. Uh, Green Bay is at New Orleans. The uh, the Jameis Winston getting the start for the Saints at home. Is a new Saints team, a new era. We saw Drew Brees on television last night, who, by the way, looked very comfortable on that NBC broadcast last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the controversy with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, but he is back and in the fold. The Green Bay goes to New Orleans. They are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, this is interesting because I think the game's in Jacksonville. This is in a neutral site. Oh, that's right. I forgot so, about that. Yeah, that's right. Good call. Right, exactly. That's, so, why, that's so why I have I you. That, yeah, <laughs> just a couple of things. Yeah. But the Superdome, losing that, Losing those fans at the Superdome, I think that's a that's going to be a little bit of a hurt to New Orleans. But it is in Florida. That would have been something that really would have. Well, yeah, Jameis Winston. Mean, still, Jameis Winston. That is true. He's got a lot of fans in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I've been down to Jacksonville, at, and I I was at Bucks Jacks uh, training camp a couple of years ago, and they love Jameis Winston in Northern Florida. They love him. Yep. Um, but I will say this: I I think that. It's going to be a big difference for the New Orleans Saints now. They're playing a really good defense, fully loaded. I think that the key for them is finding somebody that they can throw the ball to. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they're probably going to be able to run the ball with Alvin Kamara, but they just traded away with Tavius Murray, so now it's all on Kamara. Right. And then can Jameis, can Jameis not turn the ball over is the question. And obviously, so far we've been proved that that's not something he can do, so... You know, I think Jair Alexander is probably going to take away the best receiver that New Orleans has. So, how else are they going to move the football? I think this will be a kind of slow game to start out, but I think the Packers pull away in the end, and Rodgers has a big day. So, uh, lower scoring than the than the people think, but I think the Packers win it going away. Uh, the next game, and, and I'm I'm picking this, and it's it's uh, this is what I would classify if this was in Week uh, 12. I would consider this a dumb off. We're going to have a dumb off in Week One. Uh, we'll stay in Northern Florida. The game is in Houston, but it's Jacksonville at Houston. Trevor Lawrence, his NFL debut. Who wins the ugly battle in Houston? Jacksonville, a three-point favorite. I mean, how can you not have that game on TV? You I got know. The, yeah. basically the two worst teams in football. Yeah, uh, great. Huh? Um, here's here's a little here's a little fun little stat. You know, the last time that the number one overall quarterback won on week one of his first start. No idea. So this is why the Texans are playing for big pride, because the last guy to do it was David Carr in the first ever game, the first ever game in Houston Texans history in 2002. Okay. So there's a little pride here that Houston's going to play for, and I don't think, listen, both of these teams are a mess, so (laughs) I'm not going to explain to you why this other team's going to win. I just think Houston's going to win this game at home. I think these two teams are going to split. They're just both awful. And we got a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. 
going yeah. up against. Look, Houston has experience. If they, may not be good experience, but they have experienced <laughs> players on the team. So I, I'm going to take Houston in, in an upset win. You know what's interesting, too, before we go on to the next game? I saw a thing this morning where Jacksonville, as bad as they are, they have the most cap space left in the NFL. They have $30 million, $30 million they left on the table. That's well, why do you think they're the why why do you think they're in the why do you think they're the worst team in football? Yeah, I one mean, of the worst teams in football. That's they haven't insane. spent any money on players. Yeah, this is they're the yeah. uh, they're the uh, Oakland Athletics of the uh, NFL. I mean it's or the Tampa Bay <laughs> the Tampa Bay uh, uh, the Rays. I mean it's crazy. That's that's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots, by the way, have the fewest amount. They only have like a million and a half bucks under the cap. So uh, for whatever that's worth at this point, it doesn't matter. Which is rare, by the way. Yeah, extremely. All right, here's an interesting game. A team that uh, has more holes in their feet than Swiss cheese because they find ways to shoot themselves in it. The Los Angeles Chargers go to take on Fitzmagic in Washington. The Chargers are only a one-point favorite. And and I think a lot of that is because running, their top running back isn't going to play. At least it does not appear he's going to play. He has not practiced this yeah. week. Yeah, Eckler has Eckler, practiced yeah. this week. He's still, he's still up in the air. I've actually seen that line move to Washington minus one now. So really? That's, um, yeah, so there's a lot of people coming in on Washington, and I am right there with them because okay. Chargers are one of those teams that did not play any of their starters in preseason. Yeah, that's And I think that I think that it's I think for some of those teams that do that, that it's going to take a little while to get going there. I am very much looking forward to the uh, Chase Young versus Rashawn Slater matchup that they – they rematched from college. He was at Northwestern, Slater, and Chase Young, obviously, at Ohio State, and Slater got the best of them. So that's going to be a fun little matchup to watch with the two young guys. But I think that Washington's defense is going to is going to hold Herbert down a little bit. And I think Fitzpatrick, I, I think he can have success in this game. Again, like I said, I'm going to bet on the older quarterbacks in the early part of the season, and the Chargers are a hype team that everybody's kind of hyping up. Mm-hmm. I think Washington will bring them back down to earth. All right, uh, this next one, uh, Denver at the New York Giants. Um, you know, a new quarterback, in, new quarterback in Denver. Saquon Barkley is supposed to play for the Giants, is is what I understand. Correct? I mean, you know, does does yep. does is that going to be the difference maker? Denver is a three point favorite on the road in New York, and I know you're, I know you're, uh, high, I know you're high on Denver. I, I'm not supposed to pick Denver, but I have to. I mean, you just can't pick. You just can't make me pick Daniel Jones in week one. You just can't make me do it. I just refuse to do it. And look, the Giants have one of the worst offensive lines in football, and this is the first time we get Bradley Chubb and Von Miller together on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Denver has not won a game in September since Vic Fangio has, has come on. Is that they play right? the Giants. They, they, have, they have not. They play the Giants. They play the Jaguars. They play the Jets. The first three weeks. Oh of the my season. God! That's that's if they can't if they can't get it done. If they can't get it done this he might, year, he might get there's fired. Something wrong. I tell you what, if they're zero and three absolutely. at the end of three weeks, he could get fired. He you know, he get absolutely can. So we'll ship him off to Kuala Lumpur, and he can go visit Anthony Lynn. I mean, there's <laughs> seriously. I mean, it, it'd be unbelievable. So I got to take Denver here. I think the quarterback play will be better. They won't turn the ball over as much, and their defense is loaded. I think they'll win close, but they'll win. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up with the game. You know that has to. We have to wrap it up with the Miami Dolphins coming to New England. The Patriots are a three-point favorite, but they have a rookie quarterback against a guy who, um, I mean, he's not a rookie quarterback, but uh, 
underwhelming in his rookie season, and he, and Tua has a lot to prove this year. No doubt. I mean, I think that this is going to be the battle between which quarterback is not going to turn the ball over. Now, my one concern for the Patriots is you look at Miami and you see a lot of weapons, don't you? I mean, yeah. a lot of weapons. You're seeing a lot of good receivers. You're seeing Parker. You're seeing Waddle. I don't think Fuller is going to play. He might play. I, I'm not sure. Um, we'll see if he if Will Fuller plays. But they got, like, Mike Kosicki. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of talent out there. And they're missing Stephon Gilmore. Right. Uh, can that secondary hold up? That's my big question. I think the defensive line, though, is going to really wreak some havoc for Tua. I, I, that's where I think. That's why I think the Patriots can win this game. Uh, they're going to have to definitely do that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing a guy like Matt Judon uh, play in his debut and what he does. I think he could be an absolute wrecking ball. Uh, the one thing the Patriots do have going for them, though, is they have the infrastructure with the offensive line and the running game to be able to give Mac, uh, relieve Mac of some of the pressure of a week one start. I don't think he'll be that upset. And listen, it's a, it's a battle of the last two Alabama quarterbacks. And all the yeah. receivers from the Alabama wide receivers from the last few years said that Mac Jones was better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. So I will go <laughs> with the New England Patriots to get it done. Week one, it's here. It's at home, Miami. And remember, this was the same matchup week one last year, and the Patriots won by ten. Right now they're only three point favorites, and they have a better quarterback. Uh, are they? And they have a better quarterback and a better defense. Right. So I'm going to take. I'm going to take the Patriots. I'll take them to minus three, and I'll take the Patriots to win the game. By the way, what's interesting, too, is this Patriot game, when you look at over-under, the Patriot game is the second lowest of the week under other than the Denver mm-hmm. Giants game. This game is 43-and-a-half over-under. Um, so uh, it does, the, the odds makers don't think there's going to be a lot of points. Is this going to be like a – are we looking at like a 17-13 kind of game here, or do you think – I, I think it's similar, similar, similar game to last year, maybe 21-14, okay. uh, something like that. I mean – you had 21-14 in week 16, and I think you had 21-11 in week one last year. So, you know, I think I, I, I think it's going to probably be around that. You got a little bit of wind probably going to be involved. You got a rookie kicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, you, there's a couple of different factors as to why that number is so low. Well, Dan, I can't tell you how great it is to hear you back and giving us your picks once again. We'll do this every week and uh, have a safe trip back to Virginia, and we will look forward to uh, dissecting this next week and find out find out if uh, maybe your Cleveland Browns uh, upset the Chiefs and get themselves on the way to that Super Bowl for you. That's okay. I'm, I'm going to kill you. Oh, this there you are. There you are. I'm going to kill you. You probably didn't hear that. I said, we're going to see if uh, if your Cleveland Browns can pull the upset and uh, put themselves on the way to the Super Bowl for you. Because uh, oh. we're, talk- we're talking about that every week, pal. Have you get- uh, By the way, are you getting a lot of heat on that one after uh, coming out with that on the Sunday card? A little bit here and there. But, you know, I, I've actually heard some – I've actually had some friends say, you know, I'm, I'm picking Cleveland too. Wow. So I, I'm just getting – like, I, I'm getting sucked into the vortex. So, so, you're, so, bad. It's so the you're Cleveland all, vortex. You're all using the same stash is what you're telling me. Uh, apparently. <laughs> somebody, somebody's drinking what I'm drinking. All right, my friend. Have a safe trip back, and we will look forward to talking to you next week. Gene, God bless. Week one is here, baby. Let's get after Gotta it. Gotta love it. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back next week or on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. My wife is leaving for North Carolina today uh, to begin her relocation as I uh, I hold down the fort down here, get ready to sell the house. So uh, I'm going to uh, head out now and uh, get her packed up and ready to go. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Alan Jackson.
a very appropriate song on this weekend, the 20th anniversary of the planes hitting the towers uh, in New York City and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and uh, the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Here's Alan Jackson. Where were you when the world stopped turning? We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.